Well, you guys ready to get in the Word tonight? This series literally fits like a glove for Sunday's series. Because when you talk about the renewing of the mind, you're really talking about walking in vision so that you can see your purpose, which is God's plan for your life. Tonight, we've laid a foundation for four weeks. So now we're in a place where I really want to I want to take the soulish part of man and dissect it so that you understand how God made your soul, okay? Because the soul is the control center of your life. Whoever controls your soul will literally control your destiny. So man, as Paul laid out, in his letter to the Thessalonians, he, he said this, that we're to glorify God in our spirit and our body, which are his. But he said, in that, he said, let's glorify God, spirit, soul, and body. Right? The three parts of man. If you look at the epistles, all of them are written so that you can see something. Not that, so that you can get God to get you something, but that you can see what he's already given you. So it's all about seeing. So we said this, man is a spirit. You are a spirit being, right? You possess a soul. The soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions, okay? Now, your mind is not your brain. Your brain is the physical organ of your physical body that your mind functions through, okay? So you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a physical body. To operate legally in this earth realm, you have to have a physical body. That's why Jesus had to take upon himself flesh to live in this earth. Now think about this, your soul. The purpose of your soul is to make decisions. The whole, your whole soul is designed to help you make decisions. And the decisions you make in life are so very, very important. So open up to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1 and 2 are just foundational scriptures. Really now, we're talking about the temporal truth Remember, we we talked about this in Paul's letter to the Romans. Man, those first eight chapters, he's talking about positional truth, right? And then he takes a side journey in chapters 9, 10, and 11, and he's talking about Israel in the last days, and there's, there's a whole bunch of wonderful stuff in there, right? Don't you love Romans chapter 10, right? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Those are great chapters, but then in chapter 12, he jumps right into it, and now he switches from positional truth to temporal truth, dealing with now you know what you've been given in Christ. Now you know that God's will is for you to walk in victory in every area of your life. Now we need to teach you how to do that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 really let you know that. Now, I'm sensing some questions here about, okay, what's this positional versus temporal truth thing? So here's an example. Positional truth. Whenever it talks about who you are in Christ, in him, in whom, it's talking about positional truth. So right now, positionally, all of us as Christians, we are seated with Christ in Christ, in heavenly places, right? We are seated with him in heavenly places positionally. Temporally, we are seated in this building that we name Faith Family Church. We're seated at 95 or 96th and Blondo in Omaha, positionally. Positional truth deals with your behavior, how you walk these things out. So look at what it says. Paul says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
Now, we're not going to take a lot of time to break that down tonight because we broke that down very, very thoroughly in the past four weeks. So go back and listen to that because we really, we opened up and we, we unpacked that scripture. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it's going to tell us how to do that. How do I present my body a living and holy sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service? Right here. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed. And the word world means don't be conformed to the world system. In other words, conformed. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world. Right? Don't allow yourself to be pressed into the mold of the world. But be transformed. Be changed. Be transformed. Be transfigured. How? By the renewing of your mind. That word renewing means the renovation of your mind. Your mind has to be renovated. Okay, that's so, so very important. When you accepted Christ... You became brand new. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians that you are a new creature in him. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? It's new on the inside. Why? Because God put a brand new spirit in you. Then he took up residence. The mighty Holy Spirit took up residency in your spirit. He will be there forever and he shed the love of God abroad in your heart, your spirit is literally saturated with the agape, unconditional love of God, so now you can walk and love like God loves, right? Why did he do that? So, so we would love like he loves, so that we can be free like he's free? You can't walk in Zoe life if you're not walking in love. Why? Because you're to walk by faith, and faith works by love. Right? So he, he did that for a reason. You became brand new on the inside, but if you'll notice, you didn't become new on the outside. Right? If you had gray hair before you got born again, you had gray hair after you accepted Christ. So now God is saying, okay, you got the first fruits of your salvation. You're brand new on the inside. The Holy Spirit's there. Now he's saying, now you present your body a living and holy sacrifice don't think that sin habit that maybe has been eating your lunch for who knows how long listen that's a lie it has no dominion over you you have the ability to keep your flesh under you don't ever you don't ever have to follow the lead of your flesh the flesh is to do what you tell it to do. And you're going to have to throw that sucker on the, on the altar and you'll know it's living because it will hurt. Your flesh will not like that. And your flesh will always try to crawl off that altar. Right? But then he says here, but don't be pressed into the mold of the world, but be transformed by the renovation of your mind. You're also going to have to do something with your mind. And he said, you're going to have to renovate your mind. We know from other scriptures that you're going to renovate your mind with the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that will pull out all those detrimental thought processes. All, it'll, the, the word of God is the only thing that will destroy strongholds in your mind. Everything that you struggle with, it feels so real but it's all in your mind. And the word of God, James tells us, as you implant the word in your heart, it will bring salvation to your soulish realm. It will literally renovate. It'll, it'll rip out all those detrimental thought processes that you have learned just by living in the world and it'll replace them so that you can start thinking like God. Because when you renovate your mind now, you will prove. That word means determined by experience. In other words, you'll experience the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And it's a progression. 
It's not one will of God is good, one will's acceptable, one will's perfect. No, no, no. It's, it's the same will of God. It's just good, acceptable, and perfect. So what that means, it's a progression. Just like the renewing of your mind is a progression. How will you go from good to acceptable to perfect? By the renovation of your mind. Does that make sense? So this is so important. Soul, the soulish realm. The mind, the will, and the emotion. Let's just, let's literally take a look at this tonight. And I'm going to take, a, I'm just going to take my time because we've got to get this. You've got to understand this will make, this will make so many things make sense, right? Because if you are making wrong decisions, guess what? You're going to get wrong results. You don't, see, it's not, it's not by chance that you lay hold of the will of God for your life. And it's not hard. And it's not mysterious. The mystery is that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and that mystery has already been revealed. So the word of God clearly tells you exactly how to work out this this thing we call Zoe life so that you can walk in it. So decision making is what your soul exists to do. All right? You make decisions, or you could say it this way, you make choices on the basis of the interaction between your mind and your emotions that will cause your will to be exercised. All right? Let me say that again. You will make decisions or choices based on this. The interaction between your mind and your emotions that will, be, that will cause your will to be exercised. Okay? So now, this is what happens. Your mind will perceive things. It'll perceive It'll rationalize. It'll understand things based on what it's what you know your mind is sensing from these natural things going on around you, right? Your mind will perceive them. It'll start to rationalize what you're perceiving with your senses. It'll start understanding some things, and then it will draw logical conclusions to the situations and the circumstances that are coming into your life, right? And all this happens through your five physical senses. All of it happens through that way, right? Thank God for our five physical senses. So your mind perceives, rationalizes, and understands, and then draws logical conclusions to the situations that are in your life, the circumstances that are in your life, right? And it does this through the five physical senses. So, when your mind is not fed proper information, guess what? Wrong decisions will be made. Because you will perceive things wrong. You'll rationalize things wrong you'll understand things incorrectly. And we're going to see, see, God is life. Everything about this word is life. Everything that's not about this is not just not life. It's death. Right? The Bible says God's word is full of life. If it's full of life, then there's nothing else in there. So if God says to do something, it's impossible for it to cause death in your life. But what happens? People are like, wait a minute, I can't honor God in my my finances because, listen, 
I'm in this situation financially. I've got these financial circumstances going on, and my mind is rationalizing, if I sow this money into the kingdom of God, I, I will understand this, I will not have enough money to do what I need to do, and I'll make a conclusion, so I just can't do that. Satan loves that, because then he'll start to go to work in other areas. Right? So this is why this is so important. Your mind will take through the five physical senses. It's going to perceive, rationalize, understand things going on, and then draw a conclusion, and then your will, or then your emotions are going to tell you how you feel about all that stuff, and then you make a decision and exercise your will, and your behavior comes out of that. Okay? So this is the deal. We've got to feed our mind proper information. Otherwise, it's impossible to make correct decisions. Does that make sense? So intellectually, what do you do? You absorb and you evaluate the information that's coming through your five physical senses. Right? You walk into church... And you see, I walk into church, and man, I see, I see Jake and Alicia over there. And they look at me, and then they, they start talking, and then they laugh. And if I, if I don't know who I am in Christ, I'll be like, wow, they're talking about me. Think of how crazy that is. Right? All that happened was Jake told Alicia a joke and she laughed. And I'm over here thinking without, I'm perceiving information wrong. And I'm thinking, wow, they don't like me. Maybe I better leave this church. That's how real this is. Right? So intellectually you absorb and you evaluate information through your five physical senses. Seeing, hearing, touch, right? Taste, feel, right? All that. Then emotionally, you feel certain things about the situations and the circumstances. Right? So if you have been abused and your emotions have just been just twisted and, and, and just ripped up by other people, you got to get that straightened out. Otherwise, you're always going to feel wrong about everything. Does that make sense? So your mind absorbs the information. Your emotions, you'll feel certain things about that. Your ability to think, which is your mind's evaluation, interacts with your feelings, which is your emotional response. They interact with one another. This is happening to us all the time, right? And then you, what happens, now you got to get this, when they interact, what happens is a desire is produced. So I'm over here, and, and you know, I see with my eyes, I don't even hear anything, but I just, one of the five, I just see with my eyes, Jake and Alicia, look at me, turn to each other, say something and laugh. And emotionally, man, when I was in first grade, this happened. And I remember when I went into this one church, this, this happened to me. And so what happens is my emotions start telling me how I feel about it, so the two are interacting. And all of a sudden, a desire is produced. And it's a wrong desire. And the desire is, stay away from them. Maybe stay away from this whole church. Right? Do you see how that, that's working a little bit? So then, once that desire is produced, then you enact your will 
and you make a decision or a choice, the mind, the intellect, right? It mixes with the feelings. A desire is produced. And then your will, you make a decision. And then now you enact your will and, and make a decision and walk that out. And do you see if you're going from natural things, what's naturally happened instead of what the word of God says, what does the word say? The word says that I'm to walk in love. The word says that love believes the best. So when I look at Jake and Alicia and I see that happen, if I'm thinking in line with the, with the word, I look at them and they do that and I don't even see that. I just look at them and go, oh man, you know I really like those guys. It just The love of God just drips off of them. Look at how happy they are. Right? And, and what happens, then this desire, you know what, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go invite them. Let's, let's go to lunch sometime, man. I need to hang out with you guys. Same exact situation, just coming from two different places. When you enact your will, right, and then you make, you make a decision and walk that out. So in other words, you got to get this. A desire produces a decision. Right? You come into church and a song starts playing. I don't like that song. And ultimately, right? A desire comes and you're like, I'm not worshiping. Or you come in and they start a song that might not be your favorite song, but that doesn't even register because you're like, man, I'm just so, man, I just can't wait to just come worship God. Right? It's a whole different world. But this is a desire. A desire will always produce a decision. Always. So you got to make sure the right desires are driving your life, right? So in order to do that, you have to renew your mind with the word of God so that you think right. Whatever is the dominant influence over your thoughts and over your feelings is going to control your whole decision-making process. Why do you think the, the enemy is working overtime to divide people and working overtime to mess up identity. Because if he could mess with somebody's identity so that they don't know who they are, they have no ability to make a right choice. And this is why you're seeing the Bible. Isaiah said it this way, woe unto those that call good evil and evil good. Well, why are they doing that? Because their decision-making process is just all whacked out. There's people in this world that literally think nothing of other people. It's all about themselves. It's all about, I, don't, I could do, I just, I just, my agenda is so important. It doesn't matter what's right. It doesn't matter what's wrong. I don't really care who I'm going to hurt. I just, right? Where does that come from? It's, it's they've bought a vision. They've bought a vision from the enemy that's evil. And it always will produce death. Always. Whatever is the dominant influence, dominant influence over your thoughts and feelings, that will control your whole decision-making process. What you choose or decide in every situation depends on who, what, or what controls your soul. That's why Jesus said, man, be careful who you hear. Or he said, be careful what you hear, but it was the Greek word tis, which could be translated, the translators chose what? 
Be careful what you hear. They could have just as accurately in the Greek language translated that, be careful who you hear. Psalm 1.1 says, man, don't walk, stand, or sit around sinners, ungodly, or scoffers. Why? Because it'll mess up your thought-making process, and all of a sudden, you're going to make wrong decisions. Even the, the word offense literally means to be entrapped, to be tripped up, and you're caused to distrust who you should be trusting. Whoever controls your soul, as we said earlier, controls your destiny. I don't know about you, but I want him controlling every part of that because I trust him. Because my God, my Father, my Lord Jesus, the mighty Holy Spirit is concerned about one thing, and that's me. The other one, the enemy, see, he's the creator. Why in the world would I want to listen to a created being? Because he's only out for his own agenda. So I'm not going to let him control my soul. God, so here's the deal. God wants you to train your soul to be subject to your spirit so you can live the Holy Spirit-led life. We have a whole bunch of people thinking they're led by the Holy Spirit when their soul is in control, not their spirit. So let me say this again, because this is the way it works. Right? The Holy Spirit, through your spirit is to control your soul. Okay? That's the Holy Spirit-led life. But I have to train my soul. You have to train your soul to be subject to your spirit so that you could be led by the Holy Spirit. So many people, I hope... When, when you hear some of this stuff, I hope the first thought that comes out of your, just out of your heart is, man, I need to give myself a break. I've been messing up, but I didn't know any of this stuff. And the enemy's just been lying to me. He's been stealing from me, and no more. Yeah. Right? I'm telling you, if you'll feed yourself the right stuff, your behavior will just be right. It's a flow. It's, our whole life is to be lived out of the overflow of our walk with God. Our life does not work if we're first. We are human beings. We are children of God. We have been made to walk with him and in him. I love that. So, let's look at the role of your mind. God ordained the processes of the mind. What are those processes? To perceive, right? To understand, to rationalize, and then to draw a logical conclusion. Sounds a lot like Romans 12.2 or 12.1. Present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice unto God, right? Which is your reasonable service, your logical conclusion. You see that? Your current quality of life is a direct result of what you've been doing with your mind. Be excited about that. You're like, Pastor, I'm not excited about that. My life's a mess. Be excited about that. You just learned you could change it. Start doing something different with your mind. And guess what? Everything on the outside will change. And it'll take a little time, but that's okay. Because God's got your back. See, Old Testament believers, if you fall, he'll lift you back up. But we're New Testament believers. He's able to keep us from falling. So he'll help you through this process. So the role of emotions. Let's look at the emotional realm. We got to look at this one. Because wow. So many people are not being led by the Holy Spirit. They're being led by their emotions. 
and, and your emotions. God gave you your emotions to give you momentum towards what he has called you to do. Man, I get very emotionable. Emo, emotionable, is that a word? Emotional. I get very emotional about what God's called me to do. You know, I stay excited and fresh. And Why? That's what God gave me my emotions for. I mean, you see me up here pr- trying to preach. Some of these sometimes visitors, man, you should see their faces. I'm up here bawling, can't hardly talk, and I'm thinking to myself, they just are just going, man. But you know, when you see me crying, I am not a mess. I am so happy. I don't know why my happiness is, t- it's like the Holy Spirit is tied to my tear duct. It's crazy. Ever since I accepted or received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's been that way. But there, the emotionals, the emotion that the emotion is, it's to give me momentum towards the thing that God has called me to do. I, I go to a restaurant and sometimes it makes me weep because I'm going, there's not very many people here who know the Lord. And they need to. Sometimes I drive around different parts. I love driving in North Omaha. I love driving in South Omaha. I drive out West. I like driving around. And I sometimes it just, I'm praying and I'm weeping because I'm driving around and I'm seeing people. And I'm going, there's not enough people that know the Lord yet. Right? Momentum. Momentum. Emotions are designed by God to give us momentum towards the things God has called us to do. Man, if your marriage is a mess, this is the answer. Get the word in your heart. Change the way you think. And eventually, your marriage will change All of a sudden, your wife will become more attractive. She'll become nicer. She's not really changing. You are, husband. And I could say vice versa for the wife. Here's the thing about emotions. They are never, you should write this down. Emotions are never to lead you, to guide you, or as many times the way they do, to drive you. They are never to drive you. But as you're, have your emotions ever... I mean, that person just, just, man, just cut you off. Just, you're in a hurry, and you're coming down the road, and this person just, he's in the right lane, and you're coming up, in the, or you're in the left lane, and, and, and then he's going, you know driving Miss Daisy, he's like 25 miles an hour in a 50, and so you just pull around him because you're going to get ahead, right? And right when you start to pull around him, he moves over, right? So then when you finally, when you finally almost get, you know, you're, you're just, you're going to be at church like four seconds later. So, and you're getting all fired up, and you finally get by him, and then... You pull up right to the stop sign. And, and you, you know, he's in the left lane to get on. Dodge. I, I, I might be describing myself. I don't know. So, you know, he's in the left lane to get on Dodge to go towards downtown. So you get in the right lane. And you have this little feature in your car. It's called sport mode. So you just kind of flip it and you're just going, you know, I got to get away from this person. And that person that was driving 25, did I say 25? I'm emotional now. He's driving like three miles an hour, right? Really, he was going probably 45. But because you got emotional and you got driven by your emotions, he was going about three miles an hour. So then the light turns green, man, you hit the gas. But darn it, he has a sport mode too. And and this guy who's going two miles an hour or one mile an hour, he just, just goes fast enough so you can't get by him. And you've got to slow down. And man, you went from, when you left your house, you're like, man, I'm going to church. You're speaking in tongues. And in a moment of time, your emotions have driven you. 
right? Then you get on the freeway and then you're going, thank God, I got a few miles. So you kind of try to get yourself together. But if you don't have any word in you, guess what? You won't get yourself together. I'm sure I'm only talking about myself, not anybody in this room, right? Here's the thing about emotions. They're never to lead you. They're never to guide you. They're never to drive you. Here's, here's the freedom. Emotions. Now, I'm not preaching just because I think you guys are messed up, okay? I just happen to be over here right now. So, that's, all right. so I'll keep moving. I'll keep moving. Emotions are the result of what you have meditated on. You want to change your emotions? Change what you meditate on. You're like, what do you mean what I meditated on? Oh, man, I'm telling you, your self-talk will eat your lunch. 1,500 words a minute, subconsciously, constantly, I'm stupid. I'm, I'm never going to be successful. I'm worthless. I'm so frustrated in my whole life. I'm just frustrated. Right? Your emotions will start driving you to say that. I've tried this thing and it just doesn't work. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll just drive you. But if you will change what you're meditating on, you will change your emotions. The word of God will untwist them. And all of a sudden, this negative thing that's messing with you will start to just be, it'll, it'll start to, to give you momentum to following God's plan for your life in every way. And now when I'm thinking God's plan for your life, listen, don't just think about big things. If God's not leading you in little tiny things, right? It all starts with that. Because you play like you practice. So start meditating on the word. Stop trying to change. Man, I just, I, pastor, it's just my personality. I just lose it. No, no, it's not. Nope. Nope. Your emotions are twisted and the word of God, if you'll just start meditating, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that thing that was bothering you so bad, that, that jumping out and just speaking before you think, right? It's like if you were shooting a gun, a lot of people are ready, shoot, aim. All of a sudden, you start meditating in the Word, and it, it's the Word of God will start doing some things, renovating your mind. You don't know how, but all of a sudden, you start getting in situations. You might not notice it for a while. But all of a sudden, one day, something will happen and you'll be like, man, you know, six months ago, I would, I would have really reacted wrong. And right now, it's, it's almost like something else is holding me. I don't even have any desire to do that. Why? Yeah, of course you don't. Right? Because we know now how desires are coming. They come from when your mind and your emotions interact and then a desire is birthed and then your choice is made and you act it out in your will. See, you got to learn this stuff. So what you consistently think about and the words you speak will direct what you feel emotionally. Man, I'm telling you, you want to know the worst thing about this virus that, that we've been dealing with? The worst thing is how much it has consumed all of our conversations. And it's, and it's, it's produced feelings. Does that mean it's not real? Oh, no, no, no. It's real. Right? All these things in the world system are real deadly. But I'm telling you, this is real life. And this supersedes all of it. Right? 
So this is huge. What you consistently think about and the words that you speak will direct what you feel emotionally. The things that you think about and the words that you speak are the director of your emotions. So if you want to change, just change what you're thinking about, right? Change what you're saying, and your emotions will change. God wants us to feel excitement, enthusiasm, and determination about what he's called us to do, but we must meditate on God's plan and purpose for our lives in order to feel these things. Do you know how many Christians, they are sitting there going, what is wrong with me? I just, I have zero desire to go to church, to be around people, other, other believers. I have zero desire. I don't feel anything about reading and studying the word of God. Why? Because you're thinking about all this stuff in the world which is causing you to talk about all this stuff and it's affecting your emotions. But if you'll just make a decision and go, you know what that pastor is saying? I'm going to do that. I'm just going to start feeding on the Word of God. I'm going to start meditating in the Word of God. I'm going to start thinking about what God says about me. And then I'm going to start speaking it because as I think about it, out of the abundance of my heart, now I'll start speaking and it will start affecting my soulish realm. My emotions will start to change. Is that true? Absolutely. Guys, I hope, if if you haven't seen this yet, here's the deal. You are self-programmable. And here's the thing. You've got the guy, or I should say this, you've got the God with all the answers right on the inside of you. He knows your way out. He knows if you're off the path how to get you back on the path. He knows if you've wasted a decade or two in your life, he knows how to still get you to the end of your course before this deal's done. He knows. We must meditate on God's plan and purpose for our lives in order to feel this excitement, this enthusiasm, this determination. Right? Otherwise, we just don't feel anything. And when you don't feel anything for the things of God, guess what? You are all about yourself. And that is no fun. Because what happens is Satan will back you in a corner. Man, pretty soon, everything that you're doing to produce life, everything you're doing to bless others, all of a sudden will just, you'll you'll stop doing it. Right? Right? I'm telling you, God, if you could see what he sees in you, well, you can if you'll meditate. The Bible says as you peer in to the word of God, you're changed into the very image of Jesus from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the living God. So these emotions produce momentum in the direction of your God-given destiny. So important. So, when God wants to get information to you about his will and his calling, he accesses your soul through your spirit. How many times have you heard me say that? Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God leads you by your spirit. God will never speak to your mind. He only will speak to your spirit. He accesses your soul through your spirit. Satan can't speak to your spirit. He will always just throw thoughts and speak to your mind. 
always. He accesses your soul through your spirit. What does that mean? So I start meditating in the word of God. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit opens the word of God up on the inside of my spirit and revelation knowledge about him comes to me. And then my spirit will take that revelation knowledge and translate that into a thought and communicate that to my mind. Now here's where Satan will try to mess with you. He'll try to say, well, that's just you. Which is what he always does. Is that true? Yes, it is. He tells a partial truth. Gosh, pastor, I don't know. I just can't figure this out. Is this me or is this God? Well, there's only one thing he'll tell you. There's only one thing that divides soul and spirit is the word. And as you, as you meditate in the word, as you look at the real, you'll know. You'll know, oh, this is not him. This is just me. You'll get very sensitive about these things. God always accesses your soul through your spirit. Your spirit is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit imparts revelation knowledge to your spirit. And your spirit changes that into a thought and communicates it to your mind. It's how it works. And when that thought hits your mind from God, if it's God's word, it'll start renovating your thinking. It'll start changing. Listen, everything that the enemy does to bind is nothing in comparison with what God's word can do to go in and just destroy the strongholds. And I mean, I'm telling you, people that are so bound can be made free instantly. Because the power that's in this, you can't compare the power that the enemy has to bind people to what God's power is to free people. Revelation from the word of God brings direction into your life. So what God wants to do, he wants to bring revelation of his word, right? Plus information from the natural arena that you are looking at correctly to help you. See, if, you're, if, you're, if your mind, if you're not renewing your mind, you're not seeing anything out there real. Right? I mean, it's hilarious. I'll talk to my five-year-old grandson or my three-year-old grandson, and they'll go, oh, no, Papa, this is the way it is. And, and you're just going, what, what do you know? <laughs> right? Now, that example, Micah, three years old, versus me, a little bit older, right? That's not even a close comparison between me and God. Right? Could you imagine? God's up there looking at you going, man, will you invite me in? You're seeing this whole deal wrong, starting with who you are. You're buying, you're buying the vision and the lies of the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm here. I'm life. I am truth. Please believe me. Right? This is what we're talking about. So this is so important. You measure and evaluate this natural information through the filter of God's word. What do you mean by that? You go to the doctor and they say, listen, you've got a condition in your body that there is no cure for. And I, I apologize, but there's nothing that could be done for you. And you have about this long. And in this many months, this is what's going to start happening. And in this many months, this is what's going to start happening. Right? You, start, you get some news like that. You want to be full of the word so that you can take that natural, you could take that natural fact that you were just told and not deny it, 
but deny it's right. Because you put it through the filter, but my God sent his word and healed me. Jesus himself bore my sickness and disease and carried the pain associated with it. And with his stripes, I am healed. Diagnosis, you got to go. Do you see that? That's how you do that. Financially, you're all beaten down and there's no way out. It's over in the natural. You put that through the filter of the word, man, my God is able to make a way where there is no way. My God is my provider. The blessing of Abraham is upon my life. It brings me into a full and overflowing financial condition. He meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He's the one who empowers me to get wealth, to establish his covenant. Right? He is my provider. Do you see that? that that's, I'm putting it through the filter of God's word. It's natural for your soul to do what your body is screaming to do or what you feel like doing. It's natural. Now, you can get everything. Don't miss this. It's a very natural thing for your soul to do what your body, right, or what, you're, what you feel like doing. It, it's just natural for your soul to go that way. This is why you must train your soul continually. The renewing and renovation of your thinking is a lifelong process, okay? Very, very, very important. It's a lifelong process. And you work on it every day of your life. And the journey is awesome because it's from glory to glory to glory. I'm telling you, all of us in this series, you're being transformed and changed into an entirely different person because we're learning how to change the way that we think. Amen?